But the message title today is the heart of a servant. All through Scripture, all through Scripture, not just New Testament with Jesus, but especially New Testament with Jesus, but all through Scripture, it is about God helping us become servants. Because when it's not about us, when we get us out of the way, biggest problem in the world, when we get us out of the way, listen, listen, God can come in. When we get us out of the way, God's Spirit can lead us into the best place we can be in life. So, so today we're going to talk about the heart. How many of you know when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a checklist? Can I, can I just relax you for a minute? There's not going to be a big checklist. He's going to go, oh, Scott, you got 97 out of 100. You passed. Not that. Or you got, you know, whatever you're passing, 59 out of 60, you failed. No, it's not going to be that. Scripture, and we're going to end with that today, this verse about it, but Scripture completely turns that upside down and reminds us over and over again, it's about our heart. And I'm not talking about your blood pumping muscle, thank the Lord, because we all have different conditions of that. I'm talking about your, your motives, what, what drives you in life, what you really believe in. Not just what you say you believe in, but what you drive yourself with. What, what is your passion in life? So today we're going to touch on this. Jesus set a great example for us. I'm going to read for you first out of John 13. Now this, let me set it up a little bit because this is actually happening Thursday night before Jesus was captured on Good Friday. So this is Thursday night. It's a Passover meal. They're sitting back at the table. And in fact, if, if you study some of the, the archaeology and some of the customs of Jesus' time, this table was anywhere from three inches to one foot off the ground. And they just laid back, laid on their sides. They sit on pillows. It was just a relaxed. Maybe, maybe they thought, listen, the nap's coming next anyway, so let's get as close to the ground as we can. We can just keep eating until we pass out. I don't know if that's how it worked. I always look at it like that. It kind of works for me. But they were sitting at the table. They were sharing. They just shared the Passover meal. Jesus had taught some incredible stuff. He had just told them about the blood being the, the wine, the bread being his body. This is an incredible time. They know what's fixing to happen. This is what Jesus just talked to them about. And then Jesus does something that throws them all for a loop. Listen to what he does in John 13, chapter 1. It says this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed, everybody say showed. It's, it's important to not just believe, but to show it also. To show, he showed them the full extent of his love. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And here's the great line. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, right? Jesus is, now let me say, I'm not knocking any churches that have ever done this, but Jesus is not saying to be holy. You have to wash the toe jam out from under a stranger's feet. Aren't you glad? Somebody give me an amen. He's not saying that. He's not saying let's call spontaneous foot washings at the church. When you've not prepped your feet, because that's really holy, right? What he's talking about, as, as so many times that we do, he's not talking about a thing. He's talking about the heart behind it. He's talking about the, the heart behind it. He's not telling them, now you go and you keep track of all the feet that you wash in this world. What he's saying is, you go 
And you love people to the full extent, like I've loved you to the full extent. You serve them. And in this little passage, there's a few things that I want to point out that I've learned about or that God's taught us about being a a servant and having the heart of a servant. Because listen, I don't want to just follow the Spirit and do the things that the Spirit's leading me to do. Through the process of following the Spirit, I want to become who God has chose me to become. Amen? That, that, that's what's amazing. It, it always amazes me because I know who I am. I know who the old Scott was, like BC days before Christ. I know that Scott. I know who the Scott is now, the Scott that struggles between the world and God and that fight that's constantly going on. And the one way that I go, you know what, I'm going to overcome this is I'm not just going to let God lead me through a checklist of things in my life. I'm going to let him change me along the way. I'm going to lay down some things from the old Scott, and I'm never going to pick them up again. And I'm going to pick up some new things and take some new habits, some new understandings, some new ways to look at things, and some new things to do so that I can become who he wants me to become. That's the greatest gift that God gives us on this planet. You were born, and your life is a class, is a process, is a journey of becoming who God ultimately designed you to become. I hope today this, these two or three or four points will just lead us to, to not just follow, but become the servant of the people of God, the children of God, the brothers and sisters, as Jesus puts it, to serve those uh, that he has left here on this world. Let me tell you the first thing that I get out of this, all right? First thing, point number one, I'm going to jump right into it. Point number one is probably one of the biggest ones, hardest ones that Jesus teaches us. He said, a servant puts service over status. Elbow your neighbor right now and say, you need to listen to this one, all right? I know you don't, but they surely do. Because places in life, places of authority, places of in our career, in our homes, they will naturally, through our culture, through human nature, they will naturally keep us from serving other people. And that's why Jesus said, I'm not just telling you about it, I'm going to show you. After a long day of walking around and teaching talking about the gospel, talking about God's new plan. They're wearing sandals. The reason Jesus washed their feet, because it was the lowest thing he could do. He said, I I know your feet are dirty. I know we've eaten. Everything's good. You know what's next on the agenda? It's the evening. We've just eaten. You know what's next? We're all going to go to bed. Right? And you know what you're going to do after walking all day out in the, out in the dirt and the sand and whatever the ox leave on the road and the goats and praise the Lord, we have closed toed shoes and all those kind of things. You're going to have to wash your feet. I'm, I'm not going to make you wash your feet. I'm going to do that for you. And if you read the, the continue, the rest of this chapter, Jesus throughout has to argue with the disciples because they go, no, 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 Jesus, you can't wash my feet. He said, no, no, I have to wash your feet. And they said, well, no, you can't wash my feet. How about I wash your feet? And he said, no, that's not how it works. It's not about status. It's not about me being the son of God so I can't wash your feet. Status isn't going to keep Jesus from serving, right? And then, and then Peter says, well, then just wash all of me. Peter, you're not getting it, dude. I'm here to serve you. Isn't that what Jesus said? I didn't come to be served as the son of God, but I came to serve. Scripture tells us that it's not through threats of punishment that we come to Christ, but it's through his loving kindnesses that we are led to him. 
Do you understand that? That's one of the hardest things. And so with status, sometimes status keeps us from serving one another. It, as a dad, it may pressure from within goes, I'm the dad. I can't serve my kids. Well, how am I going to teach them how to serve without showing them their dad serves? Right? Listen to what, listen to what Philippians tells us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, here we go, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You ought to just underline that. You ought to circle that in your notes. That's a secret to the world right there. That, that's countercultural to every single thing on every channel on your TV right there. Think of others higher than yourself. Put others' ambitions first. Because when you do that, not only are you elevating them and helping other people, but you're showing God that I trust you with where you've put me in life, that you're able to elevate me when I need to be elevated. Amen? That I can handle it. Jesus set the example. He said, I showed you what to do. Don't let status, your level in life, hinder you from ever helping anybody else. Now... Show people that you're my followers by going and serving other people. Whew. I want you to stop for just for a minute. Everybody think about the worst chore in your house. Worst chore. You may go right to the toilet. That's all right. You may go to the litter box. I don't know. You may go to the, if you got little ones, you may go to the diaper genie. That thing that you always try to get one more diaper twisted in there from like eight years ago down at the bottom. You know those? If you've never had one, they're the best and the worst thing ever. We had to throw out a diaper genie one time because it was my job to change it. I didn't change it. Just said I'm throwing it out and buying another one. That's terrible, isn't it? Think about your worst job in your house and just going, you know what? That's easy for me. That's it. I, I, I'm the mom. I'm the dad. I'm the daughter. I'm the son. That's easy. Worst job is easy, right? Because let me show you how it's easy. Because Jesus would come right into our house and he would say, I got that. I got that for you. What do you hate doing the most? The litter box? I know it's been an extra couple of I got that for you. I'll take care of that. And, and here's why. Because after a couple of dozen of those, you're starting to get that it doesn't matter what status Jesus is, that he is going to serve me, that he's going to lead me to the cross by his kindnesses. And that's the exact same thing that Jesus says for us. Don't worry about your status. You just go love people to the cross. Amen? Just serve the fire out of them. All right, I could preach on that one all day long, but I'm not. I'm going to move on to the second one is so important. It's one of my favorite ones. It says this, that a servant puts character above comfort. Whew. Several years ago, many years ago, we took a youth group. When I was a youth pastor, we took a youth group to inner city Houston. And the first day that we were there, we gathered groceries, put them in grocery bags and in vans and all this. Because the next day, they had a big outreach at this park. And we were going to this park. They'd set up a stage. And they were doing entertainment, keeping, you know, keeping the kids happy. And the whole, I don't know what it was called, like the Fifth Ward or something like that. But the whole area had known about it. They had handed out flyers the week before saying, this day, we're going to have people there. We're giving out tens of thousands of dollars worth of free groceries. Like we had multiple vans just full of bags of groceries. So we show up at the park and there are not dozens of people or hundreds of people. There are thousands of people there. 
thousands of people waiting for the entertainment, waiting for the fun, waiting for the groceries. So we start handing out all the stuff. They crank up the music. The band's going. They're entertaining the kids. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And I got in with some one of the little kids' groups, and we're dancing around. And one of the girls, she's about two or three, she can't see. She's so small. I said, hey, why don't you get on my shoulders? She's like, all right. So I pick her up, put her on my shoulders, and we're just dancing around and going with the music. And then after about 10 minutes, this one of our teenagers comes up and like leans into my ear. She, he goes, girl's peeing down your back. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and I set her down. I was like, hey, let's go find mom. You need some clean pants over there. And, and the whole back of my shirt. And so all day, every, isn't it amazing? Like, I, I could say I want to give away a hundred bucks and the news would not spread as fast as if somebody getting peed on. And all day they started calling me, hey, Pastor Pee shirt, what's up? And that was funny because during the trip I was Pee shirt, what's up, Pee shirt? And I'm like, come on, guys, lay off. Of course, if it bothers you, you know your friends, they just turn it up if it bothers you, right? So I tried to play it off. And I get back, we get back to the church, and uh, it was on Sunday night. Remember the good old Sunday night services we used to have? Uh, Sunday night, and so they were sharing about the, the outreach and the mission trip that we had taken to inner city. And multiple people get up and tell the story about Pee-Pee Shirt. And everybody's laughing. So not only did Pee-Pee Shirt continue for a couple of weeks, it continued for years. After I moved left that church, I would see people like at the mall five years later, and they're like, hey, Scott, how you doing? Pee-pee shirt. I'm like, no, I, I don't like that name. Quit calling me that. But can I, can I tell you, here, here's in the middle of that, I remember taking the little girl off, and she had no idea what was going on, and she ran off to her mom, and we're kind of joking, and we start looking for a shirt, and I remember going over to the van and changing shirts. Somebody had another shirt that we were giving away. They had a shirt, and I put it on, and part of me was getting a little aggravated, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, do you not tell your kids to go to the bathroom on people? Do you not know? Like, what's wrong with you? Why do you go to the bathroom on people? You know, I don't even know where to start on that. And in my mind, I'm going through all of these things. And immediately, in the middle of that, I remember a quote from a, the summer camp message that we had heard a couple of weeks before when we were at summer camp. Didn't remember the sermon. Didn't remember the speaker. But I remember him pounding it in over and over and over that God is more worried about your character than he is your comfort. All night he kept preaching. God's more worried about your character than he is your comfort. God is not worried about your comfort till the point that it surpasses your character. God is not worried about your happiness to the point that it surpasses his concern for your holiness. And, you know, I understood that to a point. And then when I had children, which are the greatest example in life of your relationship with our Heavenly Father. When I had kids, I understood. I, I, I have to make them uncomfortable to teach them character lessons, right? I, I have to make them get up. Like if it was just all about comfort, I'd say, what do you want to do today to make you comfortable and happy? Like I want to sleep in and not go to school. Okay, just do that. Right, And then what does that do for their life? They end up being losers in life, right? Because they're dumb. They don't know anything. They're not dumb. I'm glad they're, they went to school and all. But it, it's terrible for them if I focus on comfort and happiness. I have to focus on character in their life first. 
And, and of course I want them comfortable. Through the process, I, I don't try to break their spirit, but I do want to mold their spirit. And I, I just want to tell you that as we push to not just do servant things, like coming up this Saturday, we, we have our biggest outreach of the year. We'll have dozens, if not over 100 people there serving, just serving this weekend. But it's not just about doing. Our prayer is that while we're doing, that God is changing. He's changing our hearts, that we're becoming more like him. Because I'm not worried about being comfortable. It's going to be hot, and it will be humid. It's the middle of July, right? It's going to be, it's going to be rough out there. I'm not worried about that that day. I'm going to bring me an extra T-shirt. If I go an hour and I'm drenched, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to go to the restroom. I'm going to change. And I'm going to get on about serving people. Amen? And I, I'm, partly I'm doing that because Jesus did it for us. And the other part is because I've just began, after about 20 years, I'm just beginning to realize that's all true. <laughs> if I'll put him first, if I'll trust in him, not worry about my comfort, but Follow him to places that are even uncomfortable, that he'll develop our character and mold us into a servant that he wants. Amen. Let me read you this passage in Luke 10. It says this in the message version. I love this. You may have not heard it. This is the uh, Good Samaritan, but it's in the message version. So I want you to get this part. There was a man once traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, let's just pause there for a minute. Why would you add luckily in this entire story? They just said they took his clothes, they robbed him, and left him half dead. But luckily, y'all read the Bible like me, or is it just me that reads it that way? Luckily, a priest, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's lucky that a priest came by and was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Everybody say bad priest. <laughs> then a Levite religious man showed up. He, was, he also avoided the injured man. Let me, let me just pause there for a minute. Why do you believe that those two people avoided the injured man? I believe that it was a very uncomfortable situation. I mean, first of all, you have a naked dude over there. And I'm just being honest. That's what it said. They took his clothes. That's super awkward. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, it would take somebody being led by the Spirit of God. Come on now with me. Being led by the Spirit to step out of their comfort zone into a place where they, I can help this person. They need help. God is in me. Let's connect the dots here. Amen. I want you to see that. It's very natural. Two out of the three steered away. But thank the Lord, a Samaritan traveling the, the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart. What was it that went out to him? His duty, his checklist, his rules. It says his heart went out from his heart trumped the awkwardness. It trumped the comfort. His heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him into, onto his donkey, led him to the inn, and made him comfortable. Isn't that great? He's not worried about his comfort. He's worried about his comfort. Woo! I'm preaching now. I'm loving it. Yeah, that's all right. Y'all just hang in there. Save it up for the end of the message because it gets better, okay? In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you when I, on my way back. What do you think? This is Jesus asking. What do you think? Which one or which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly. 
the religion scholar responded, Jesus said, go and do the same. Go and just do the same. Go and not worry about comfort. Don't worry about awkwardness. Just when you see the need, just start meeting it to your capacity, to your understanding, to your ability. Just start doing that. And if you'll start doing that, guess what God's going to do? He's going to slowly change your heart into the heart of Jesus because that's what he wants you to have in the first place. Amen? Let me, let me tell you, one of the most awkward, one of the probably the top three most awkward times ever, we, in our first youth pastor position, I got saved, and 10 months later, we were in our first youth pastor position. It was the craziest thing ever. We were in Tishomingo, Oklahoma, way down by Texoma Lake, and we were asking, who, who could the, the, the youth group, we had a youth group of about 50 or 60 kids, who could the youth group go out and help? Everybody started naming, you know, what we have, because Tishomingo has a, a junior college there. You could go down to the college. You could, you could help, you know, they have things that you can do there. You go over to the nursing home. They were kind of just laying out the normal stuff. And so the three or four sponsors and myself, we were the leadership team. And we, we said, well, where could you go that, that they really need it, that nobody ever goes? And through the process, somebody mentioned, well, you could go to Butcher Pen. Yeah, our people in our point group are laughing because they've heard this story before. And so we said, well, it's Butcher Pen. Never even heard of it. Butcher Pen was a community. It wasn't even a town. It didn't have a post office, a sheriff, any police, anything like that. It was a community that kind of squatted, built their homes on the place of an old country club from the 1930s. When it had closed down, the, the poorest of the poor, and, and that county down there was like the first or second poorest county in the state of Oklahoma out of the 70-something counties. So it was very poor. And people were literally just living there. They were stealing electricity from the highway. They would run orange extension cords. They would climb the pole, strip the wire, lay one over one wire and one over the other on the telephone pole. Yeah. And we pull up in Butcher So we, me and my wife go out, and we do, a, we do a little recon in Butcher Pen. Middle of the day, we go out there. The first thing, we pull in, and we see the cockfighting building. This is where they fight their roosters. This, is, this was their sole community building in town. And as we did a lap around like where the, where the condos or whatever it was back in the 30s used to be at the lake, or maybe they were, you know, camper spots, what we saw were there was a shed on this one, and on the next one, there was a, maybe an old trailer house, and on the next one, there was an igloo dog house on one of them about this big that they had actually got boxes of carpet samples, and they had them layered about a foot over that, and there was electrical lines running to it from the pole so they could have a heater in there, and a family of three lived in that igloo dog house. And there was one next door to that that was about this big, and it was just a big pile of melted. And that's where somebody in the winter had been sleeping, and their doghouse caught on fire, and it melted and killed them all. I'm talking stuff like you only see in a movie happens in Butcher Pen all the time. We couldn't believe it. We were, we were like, I've seen some really poor, I had some family members super poor. Nothing like this. We loaded up and went down there. We didn't talk to anybody. We just loaded up all of our groceries. We loaded up a couple of van fulls of kids, went to Butcher Pen. Can I tell you, once we got to Butcher Pen, we figured out why all these people are there. I'm just, I'm just trying to give some clarity. For about four generations, Butcher Pen had all been inbreeding. And so there were lots of weird situations. There were people that looked very, very different from you and I. 
had deformities. There were families of 10, 12, and 15 living in a camper. It, it, it was just some of the, it was like right out of Children of the Corn right there in Oklahoma. And I'm just, I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm just trying to let you know, like once we got there, it was one of the more awkward, weird moments of my life. And I'm pretty bold. I'm pretty just get out there and get after it. But can I tell you, for the adults, it was, it, was, it was good for us. It was good for us to push through, to lead our kids. But can I tell you, for the kids that were in our youth group, that an adult and a kid or two with a bag of groceries would walk up to the doors and knock or walk over to the doghouse and knock. Excuse us, anybody in there? People would come out that hadn't bathed in months that had one piece of clothing on that didn't cover up everything. I'm, I'm talking the wildest thing you've ever seen. And for our kids to have on maybe $200 worth of clothes, you know, maybe a, a $300 worth of clothes, and to give them a bag of groceries and go, hey, we're just traveling through and wanted to, uh, wanted to help you guys out. Would this help? And for those people, let me just say this. For those people laying on the road, no clothes on, awkward situation, whatever that was, for those people to begin to cry and say, thank you, we, we haven't had this many groceries in 10 years. We haven't had this many groceries since my kids have been alive. You haven't had two bags of groceries at one time since your kids have been alive? No. And in our mind, we can come up with a thousand reasons why they put themselves in that situation. But what I love about it, it never talks about why the man was in this situation. It just said he was in a bad situation, and our job is to be their neighbor. Our job was to serve them. And can I tell you, here we are 20-something years later, and we still, in our small group, we talk about Butcher Pen and messages. I still think about the impact that those couple of times after that, that we went out there and gave out coats, gave out clothes, gave out groceries, and every time it was super weird, it was super awkward. But the more we went, the more that we went, the more God changed our hearts, how we saw those people, that we begin to, now, now your name's Carl, right? You're Carl? Yeah, okay, cool. Let me just tell you, the most impacting moments of your life may be some of the most uncomfortable moments of your life. Don't be afraid of them. Let God work. Amen? The third one is this, that a servant puts we over me. Acts 2 says it like this. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, let me just say, I'm kind of selfish the way I positioned this message because I could have positioned it throughout the summer, but I positioned it today because do you know what's happening Saturday what we're doing Saturday is our Rockwood Elementary School outreach. And I wanted to remind you that we're, we're doing much better on this. We're growing in this area. As a church, we're doing awesome in this area. Because we is greater than me. And we're showing that this Saturday. We're showing that throughout the year. You know that? Like, we're going to go do something this Saturday that only dozens of people can do. Only a group, a big group of people can do. One person can't go do what we're going to do this week. I don't even care if you have all the money. You don't have all the workers. You, you don't have, you can't take all the photographs. You can't cut all the hair. You can't fix all the burgers. You can't hand out the clothes, the, the uniforms. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, there are some great things that when we come together as a body of believers, that our servanthood scale goes way up. People ask sometimes when I talk about growing our church and we're growing and reaching people. And I want to grow until God says that's enough. I, just, I want thousands of people coming to South Point. And I go, why? I love the feel. Like, where did I get 400? I love that. And I go, yeah, but here's why. Because the bigger we get, the more people we can reach. That's it. That's it. I'm in this for people. I quit about 20 years ago being in it for Scott. I'm in it for people. And we're going to keep reaching people because the more people we reach, the more people we can reach. Amen? So let, let's continue to commit that together we can do great things. Let's learn to be servants by ourselves. That's awesome. But let's also remember that when we come together, when we give, listen, there are people that are going to be gone the weekend of our outreach. They're gone that weekend. But last weekend, they gave an offering so that they could be there this weekend when they're gone. You get that? Like together, we can do incredible things. Even though they're gone, their finances are going to be at the outreach, touching people's lives. When we come together, our servanthood goes way up. The last one is this, and I love it. A servant puts worship over wealth. A servant puts worship over wealth. The worshiping God. Not with music. I'm not just talking about that kind of worship. But I'm talking about the, I want to do what God wants more than anything on this planet. More than fame. More than finances. That's what I want. And listen to Jesus. Let me set this one up just a minute. It's one of my favorite passages in Matthew 25. Jesus himself is talking about the end times. He's talking about when he comes back and he separates people. He's got the, he said, just like a farmer separates the goats and the sheep, you know, like the sheep over on my right, the goats on my left, that's the way it's going to be. And he looks at the people on his left and he says, you know what? You never, you never fed me when I was hungry. You never visited me when I was sick. You never clothed me when I was naked. You never came to visit me in the jail. He's laying out all of these awkward moments. You didn't do that. And they go, when did we ever see you do that? Jesus said, when you didn't do it to the least on the planet, you didn't do it for me. You said it's a heart thing. It wasn't pick out people. It was a heart thing. And then he says the same thing. Hold on, hold on. He says the same thing to the righteous people sitting on his right. He said, you get to come in eternal inheritance. Why? Because you visited me. You clothe me. Let, let's just read it. Let's just read it. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Can, can, I, can I give you a, a funny piece of pastoral advice? This whole thing's rigged. Jesus is everybody. Everybody. Look around. Look around. All these weirdos, we're all Jesus. He's keeping track. Think about that. That's, that's what he's saying here. When you clothe the least, you are clothing me. When you were clothing my brothers and sisters, when you were feeding them, you, you were feeding me. When you were visiting people that were sick or in prison, guess what? You were visiting me. Why? Because my spirit was leading you to be a servant. Isn't that what this entire series is about? My spirit was leading you past your comfort zone, past your uh, status in life, past your wealth or your objectives in life, past all of those things to serve other people. 
so that your heart would change so you wouldn't even worry about who you were serving, right? You wouldn't even worry about it. So when you were serving the least, when you were serving people that you go, that can't be Jesus. When you were serving people, your heart was serving me the whole time. This entire series and the entire Bible is about changing this right here. Our heart, our motives, our agenda in life. Listen, I still want to make bills every month. I want to make enough money to make my bills. I still want my kids to be partially comfortable and do things. But can I tell you, above all of those things, like what has to be first, Lord, we're going to follow you. Lead me every day by your spirit. It may be awkward. It may be uncomfortable. I, I don't know because Jesus does not send me an email every day. If he would, this would fix lots of problems. But he just leads me by my heart. And his spirit speaks to mine. And what he says is, if you'll just do this, how about when you see somebody in need? That's, that's the qualifier right there. Can you help them? Then help them. Well, Lord, I can't help everybody. Okay. Just help who you can help. Start there. Start with the little. Start cleaning some feet. You know what I mean? Or washing the car or mowing a lawn or giving a ride. Start praying for your neighbors. Letting them know you prayed for them. Start, start doing the things that I'm leading you to do because as you say yes to those things I'm changing you into into who I have designed you to be to the heart of a servant let me pray for us today would you close your eyes for just a minute Lord we're so humbled golly I'm so humbled by your word even more than that by your action that you didn't just talk about it but you're constantly trumping your words with your actions Lord, and I just believe the reason we're here today, everybody in this room, the band on the stage, those in the the booth, and everybody from wall to wall, the reason we're here today is because we want to be more like you. We're not just church attenders. We're not just coming to check it off the list and hope that enough times that we get in. God, we want to grow into the, the man or the woman that you have designed us to be. So today we, we ask you, we each, our heart goes out to you, Lord. Help us to follow your heart. Help us to serve those around us every single day. To serve. Look for ways. I, I just believe as we take our step forward and say yes, that you're going to lead us and guide us and change our heart, Lord, so that it's more like yours. I pray that on that day when you separate the righteous from the unrighteous, that we're just as confused as those that you just that we just read about. That when you say you get to come in because you clothed me and you fed me, and you took care of me, that at that moment the dots will be connected. That all of these years and decades of following your spirit will pay off in our hearts being totally pure for you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We want you to show us how to love others. You've loved us. You've given us extreme grace and mercy in our life. We pray that you'd show us how to do that with everyone around us. With your eyes still closed, I want to pray one more prayer real quick before we go. Because somebody may be sitting in this room, a a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So as I talk about God leading people and changing their hearts, it's difficult for you to understand. But my prayer is, and our prayer of our whole staff and leadership, that 
through this message that God would be speaking to your heart. And you would realize that today is the day that you need to open up your heart and invite Jesus to come in and lead you in life, to guide you, to become your Lord and your Savior. So I'm going to pray one more prayer for you today. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or to stand up or anything like that. I don't want to embarrass you because I believe God can do miracles right there where you sit. But if you would say, Scott, I'm making that decision today. It's time. I want God to come in. I want Jesus to save me and forgive me. If that's you, while nobody's looking around, will you just let me know by just giving me a little wave? Just lift your hand and it just lets me know I'm making that decision today. You're praying for me, Scott. That's who you're praying for today. Jesus is going to come into my life today. Is that you? Let me see your hand real quick. Just give me a little wave. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? You can put your hands right back down. Lord, we're so thankful for you and your grace and your love and your mercy in our lives. And I pray, Lord, today, today is the day of salvation, that those that raise their hands in the air, maybe even those that didn't, that they would be opening their lives right now for you to come in and change them from the inside out. I pray you would do just as your word says, as they say, come in and be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, that you would go into their life, their heart, their soul, and that you would forgive them of their past and mistakes and set their feet on the right road and begin from this day forward to lead them by your spirit. Lead them in your ways. Teach them the goodness that comes from walking with you. Lord, I thank you for saving them. I pray that you'd surround them with people like it, this, this body of believers, this church, that can help them. Help them take the right steps in the right direction each day of their life. And Lord, we are just thankful for the grace and the mercy that you've given us all. We love you. It's in your name that we pray, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Let's do something. Let's